everybody doing i'm good how are you doing i'm good and i want to say this i asked him where's lars ulrich he said at the stake it's mr rob fortune thank you for that introduction now i'd like to introduce this man now it feels like i'm on fire it's burning the heterosexual world through don't hold it against me because i know you're applying to live at ram ranch too it's jomo why am I gay? <laughs> Why are you gay? I just want to know. Yeah, that's a good. Thank you for that. Um, you know, Graham Ranch is where we all need to go someday. It's hopefully the ranch I die on. Mm. And I'm buried out back with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. We'll see. Mm. But, you know, it is what it is. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Mr. Rob Fortune. Mm. All right. We'll move into this and say, uh, they asked him, what type of gay is he? He said, the seeker kind. It's Mr. Jack Falcon. I got a clap today? Yeah, you got a clap. Mm. <clears throat> Moving up in the world. I am. So the other day, I, I had some stomach issues as well, and there was a part in the night where I was shitting and puking into a trash can at the same time, and it was like something out of a 90s movie. I just thought you guys should know that. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you ate something Would you, did you have pad thai or something no but so back and i went to get some <clears throat> we stopped at this place to grab like a sandwich on the way home and it was one of those places that has like hot ones like really hot ones i didn't realize how hot the sandwich was it was hot as fuck and uh yeah so anyway i ate it like took like one bite and i was like nope nope i'm nope i'm not eating that shit so but then it was like sitting in my stomach like a fucking burning mm. lump so mm. I end up like puking it out and then uh, I wake up at like four in the morning. And I was like, oh shit, I got to puke again. And next thing I know, I'm shitting and puking into the trash can. But, but yeah. that happens. It happens. Yeah. The problem with heat now is that everybody one ups everybody. So it's just chemicals mm. and there's no, mm. it's not spices anymore. It's fucking, mm. it's chemically made in a fucking lab and it's like, it's, uh it's not able to actually be eaten becca looked this um she looked up someone's review on this mm. and the guy said he ate the whole thing and he went to see a movie afterwards and he said the pain in my stomach when i got to the movie was like a bear trying to claw its way out and wow. he said he, he said he ran to the bathroom and like puked the whole thing up so mm. yeah this stuff is like inedible at this point so i can i can stand quite a bit of heat but once you get into the like capsaicin shit or just like you know the chemical stuff it's like i'm out goodbye no thanks anyway otherwise you're going to be shitting and puking simultaneously at four in the morning yeah i i, I got some crushed red pepper i'm good with that it's yeah. safe look i am little crushed red call it a day that's right bro there's oh, there's this one time i was in japan and i was eating uh, this place called coco's is japanese curry and i i was just like you know i always get spicy level five but i said Spicy level 10. Let me get the max fucking spicy levels. And that, 11. That dude, I was back in my room vomiting. <laughs> and yeah. the, the next day, bro, it was like if little devils were pitchforking through my asshole and yeah. stabbing me. It was the worst feeling mm. in the world. 
So luckily I didn't have the anal pain because I puked out the bite. I could see it cause it was dark. Like it was like, it, it wasn't like black, but it was dark. And, mm. um, I took one bite. So here's the whole thing. Like I took one bite and my mouth was like, I'm fucking fire. So I was like, Nope, I'm not eating that. But that wasn't even the worst part because that went away in like five minutes. My mm. stomach, like an hour later was like the absolute worst feel. Like it felt like death. I was like, I need to get this mm. out of my body now. Mm. And I can't mm. shit it out because how long does food take to go through your digestive tract? At least a day, That's right? Six. Yeah. Yeah. 36 hours. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I don't want to wait for that. So I'm just going to puke the thing out. Anyway, so I've learned my lesson. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the brakes on the, on the heat. Uh, we'll be talking about a couple, uh, four grunge bands today. Well, this is the grunge episode. These, so we're listening to one album from four bands at some point in these bands career, they have fallen in under the grunge umbrella. If they're there at this point or not, I don't know. Uh, so four bands, we are go or and one album each. So Dinosaur Jr. with uh, without a sound, uh, Sebado uh, with Harmacy, uh, Screaming Trees with Sweet Oblivion, and Melvin's with Stoner Witch. Those are the four we'll be looking at. I have the wheel ready to go. We're gonna spin it. It's uh, brought to you by Meat Spin. If you go <laughs> if you go to meatspin.com and watch to a thousand spins, Amazon will send you a uh, gift card in the mail. We ready, Jomo? Yeah, let's rock yeah. and roll. All right, I'm spinning the wheel. I got to get a soundbite for that. I gotta, I really, How do we ever live without the soundboard? I think uh, about it now. We use it all the time. Yeah. It was, we were lost without it. Now we're found. Yeah, that's true. All right. Land on Melvin's. Let me drop the artwork. Okay. Uh, Stoner Witch is an 11-track record released in 1994, coming in just under 50 minutes long. It's the band's seventh studio album containing the singles Revolve and Queen. Uh, when Nirvana's Nevermind became a massive and unexpected success, Melvins were one of the many groups to benefit from their support. Melvins were signed by Atlantic Records uh, in their first major label release, 1993's Houdini, entered the Billboard Heat Seekers chart at 29. By the way, all the information here in the blurbs uh, all comes from Wikipedia. Uh, next, uh, Melvin's released their second album for Atlantic in 1994, Stoner Witch. Due to its experimental nature, they took their next album, also 1994's, uh, in 1994, Prick, to Amphetamine Reptile Records. Record label conflicts prevented the band from releasing any albums under the name Melvin's, so Prick was released with the band name Written in Mirror. A Stoner Witch was recorded with Garth Richardson in 19 days at the A&M Studios in Hollywood. Most of the tracks were captured in a single take, and all of the tracking and mastering was completed in a single continuous session. Described as a grunge, stoner rock, and sludge metal album, Stoner Witch melds hallmarks of the band's earlier work, such as Molten Tempos and guitarist Buzz Osborne's nonsensical lyrics, with a relatively radio-friendly ear towards arrangements. According to All Music's Patrick Kennedy, the album uh, picks up on the basic framework of 1993's Houdini, resolving into an ear-catching workup of classic rock themes tempered with a fairly judicious sampling of an of uh, acid trip detours. The title Stoner Witch comes from the term that drummer Dale Crover and his friends used to describe the stoner chicks at their high school. Largely out of print since the 1990s, Stoner Witch was reissued in 2016 through Third Man Records. This band has an insane discography. I normally go through all of them, but this is like trapped in the drive through long. Uh, so I won't, but they had a, their debut album in 1987, which is Gluey Porch Treatments. And then they have a Tarantula Heart that's coming out in 2024 if it has not already been released. And there are a couple years like uh, 1994, 1999, and 2013 that they put out two records in the same year. Oh, and 2021. So they've done it uh, for four four times. Uh, Rob, what do you think of Stoner Witch? 
Uh, so I love the Melvins. Uh, I, I don't know what you guys are going to think of them, but I've been trying to get you to listen to them for a while. And uh, okay, so first of all, if you read Come As You Are, like the Nirvana book that was written in 98 or whatever the fuck year that was written, uh, they they mentioned the Melvins about a thousand times. Kurt Cobain was in this band for 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, when he was living in shit ass apartments with a pile of dirty dishes, he would like go and like listen to the Melvins, like practice live. And like, you know, one day they would be like a fucking thrash metal like speed band and like the next day the next day they'd be like a slow sludgy like slower than death band and uh like uh Kurt Cobain really liked how different they could be and that's like the Melvins uh in a nutshell like throughout their entire fucking career like uh so many of their albums are different from each other they're not all like the same rehash of the same old shit yeah they'll do they'll do speedy shit they'll do ultra fucking slow shit and you'll hear on this album, like, you know, Lividity is fucking nine and a half minutes long. And like, you know, so that's some of the like the super slow droney uh, shit that you'll, you'll, you'll hear on some of them. And then you'll, but yeah, I've seen this band live three times, I, I want to say. Uh, the first was one of the best shows I've ever been to. The third was just about as good as the first. Yeah, the second, I'm just going to say I was sick that day or something. Like, I didn't really have a good time. I don't really know that it has anything to do with them. But I just, uh, you know, so yeah, the, the first time uh, they were playing with Big Business, another like stonery fucking whatever band. I really like them too. At the time, uh, their bassist and, and uh, drummer were also in the Melvins. So the Melvins was playing with two drummers. And... Um, you know, so their drum sound was fucking huge then, uh, and it's 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 huge on Stoner Witch. I don't like, I, I, so okay. So when I listen to Nirvana, it's like I you know Dave Grohl is fucking famous. You know he's uh he's really solid, tight, and he plays like twenty percent like louder and more passionately than like uh, all these other drummers, and like that is enough for him to be legendary throughout you know at least at least to people like my age and like people who loved grunge like dave grohl is like fucking worshipped by all these fucking people but the the drummer that was before that in like the bleach era that dude had a fucking like super loud tom sound he was a fucking mess he was a he's a sloppy ass drummer but but like i remember listening to that dude and thinking like this dude has something and uh I want to say he just was borrowing from the Melvins or some shit. Like, like Stoner Witch, the fucking toms sound like they're, like they're fucking, they're so fucking loud. It's so fucking, I've never heard toms this huge. And this is in 94, you know, so this isn't like digitally fucking whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't, they, they have a huge fucking tom sound. And, uh, I don't, that's one thing that they've always fucking gone for, uh, um, whether it be on, on this album, Stoner Wish that we're listening to, or the times that I've seen them live, like they've got, they've, uh, they, where they have these two drummers and they would, uh, they, they would, they would, they would, they'd have like a, a stream of consciousness thing where like, you know, in between the two songs, they would, uh, trade, uh, drum solo time. And like, you know, that, like, so one song would go into the next with drums in the between. So this band is so fucking percussive and I was just amazed, uh, one story I think I've already told on the podcast before, but like when when Big Business was playing, um, at one point um, 
the song is just fucking looping, which a lot of bands I, I know would never think of looping and would think it's a fucking like uh, like against their fucking genre or whatever. Like you have to like you have to finish your song in 60 seconds. Otherwise, you aren't punk or something. This, so this band was going in the opposite direction. They're, they're, they're looping. And I don't really know why until I look at the drummer. The drummer is fiddling around with his, his foot pedal. He must have broken it somehow. He did. Uh, and somehow the drummer knew this without I didn't hear them talking to each other so i don't know how that they i don't know how they fucking did it but at, at one point so like the the bass player just makes fucking time for the the drummer to fix his shit um and then like without fucking talking to each other out loud either just through eye signals or whatever they resume the song from there i fucking like am a lifelong fan of these guys for that like that's fucking musicianship i like i'm i'm uh, you know, in the corporate world, I'm so used to your teammates like highlighting your mistakes and making you look bad at every fucking opportunity to get ahead. But like music is this place where like, oh, uh, we're in this fucking together. We're on the stage together. Um, I'm going to uh, give you the time that you need to take care of your shit so that we can all succeed together. I fucking love that. And it's fucking magic to me that like musicians can do this without talking you know we're so we the talking ape solve everything with words and screaming and fucking uh you know whatever but these guys did it like wordlessly fucking i don't know to me that's magic but anyways yeah i remember my mind being blown they played for a long time they played loud as fuck um and I just remember, like, these guys are fucking loud, and they, these guys fucking play. Like, I, the, the moment they fucking started playing, I got a body high, and I didn't, it didn't end until the girl I was with, like, kept complaining about someone who was stepping on her foot and smelled like B.O. or whatever the fuck she was complaining about. Uh, uh, but, yeah, anyways, uh, one, uh, yeah, so I, I, like, I went home. I listened to a bunch of the Melvins the Melvins recorded to me, something is not translated. Exactly. You have to see them live. They're, they're like good on recording, but something's kind of lost. Um, but yeah, like the second time, I don't know. I was tired or whatever they were doing. They were doing like a, a Houdini like reunion or something. Um, Houdini is like a slow album that came out in 93, I think. And, uh, I don't know, whatever. Some people like that one better, uh, whatever. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then the third time I saw them was was uh, in 2015. So at this point, they're like 50, 55 years old. They have a different lineup, the new new uh, bass player, uh, whatever. But they like they were just as good and just as heavy and just as passionate as the first time. Uh, and I fucking love that they're 55 or whatever, however the fuck old they are, and they're playing like as 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 passionate as as uh, you know. To the extreme as as any fucking younger band, and they do shit that I th I I would have thought you can't make sound good. I don't know. They they play with so many chromatics, and they um, uh, I I loved how fucking free they sound. Like uh, okay, so on one way, in one way, you can say this is a stonery ass band that drones on too loud, long, and they fucking whatever but they're sometimes i'm not in the mood for that shit and other times i really am in the mood for that shit i i know that like when i when i saw them the first and the third time i was like take all the fucking time you want i'm with you for the ride that you take me on i i love i love the fast i love the slow i love the chromatics i love the fucking dirtiness of it i love um uh i don't know it it just makes me fucking believe in magic um 
So as far as this album goes, um, yeah, there, there are a few songs I don't really care for. And there's, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's see. I think I skip Sweet Really Roll Bar. I think I skip Magic Pig, Pig Detective. That's a song where, like, nothing happens. Some, some noise songs I have no fucking patience for, whatever. But uh, um, I don't know. The toms sound huge. Um, this album is good, uh, but uh, I don't know. I want to see these guys again live because uh, I have a feeling that I would have a good time again. Uh, first place for the week. That's it. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, Magic Pig Detective is uh, definitely a fever dream song. If, if you're on drugs, you should probably avoid it. Um, so, yeah, for a long time, I thought this band was a punk band, and they could have been at one point or another. I don't know. Um, Wikipedia says they're a rock band, but, yeah, like Rob was saying, they, they've done all kinds of, of styles of music. Um, so, yeah, there are people on both ends of the spectrum with this record. Some people like it, and some people say, like, oh, nothing happens in a bunch of the songs. At this point in time, I like this album a lot um it, yeah it, so it seems like the style their style and quality are, are all over the place when i was looking at uh this band's albums ranked uh there's a website called uh, rate your music and somebody was describing prick which is the other album that came out in the same year and he said i love that they did an all-out avant-garde uh sound collage album like this but it fucking sucks so I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I haven't heard that record, but I don't know. Cause I was really impressed that these guys put out two records in four different years. And yeah, it could be that some of them are just shit. I don't know. Um, I haven't listened to them, but uh, this record I think is really good. Um, I'd say the recording quality of it is like a little uh, rough around the edges. So when I, when I thought that this band was a punk band, I've seen that log ride picture before of uh, Buzz Osborne, uh, Adam Jones, and Mike Patton going down the water thing, uh, the water log. And I've always wondered how, how like I see Adam Jones and Mike Patton like crossing paths. But when I thought that uh, this band was a punk band, I was always wondering how they crossed paths with Adam Jones. And it's because they're not. They're all over the place. So, yeah, they played some shows together. They became friends. Uh, great picture, by the way. I have seen it before. Never gets old. <clears throat> um, what else do I want to say? Yeah, I like this record a lot. I actually love it. Uh, this is one that I do want to see in its entirety at some point. I'm either giving this two or three. I think I, I'm settling on two. I'm tying it with without a sound. But I, I think I'm, this one's going to become number two. But uh, the the one that I'm considering one for me is just is neither of those two. But um, I, yeah, so I think I'm going to be giving this two. I had a really good time listening to it. Yeah, this is definitely more on the metal side. One thing I love about this thing that makes me laugh. Okay, this album starts with the song that... Uh, whatever the fuck the name of the first song is. The drums are so funny when this opens. I swear they're troll opening drums. There's like four different count-offs that make like no fucking sense for anyone to be able to know <laughs> when to come in. And every time I hear it, it's like, they. it has to be a troll where they mm. obviously know like how long the mm. count-off is going to be. But for any person who's never heard it before, they, they're not going to know when the fuck the song comes in. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I think it's so trolly and funny that the I just, my only gripe with it is I wish it went on for longer. Um, nice. but yeah, so like the last song, uh, you mentioned Lividity, it's like over nine minutes. So this record, the cool, one of the cool things about it is it takes all these like twists and turns and it, there's nobody who can put this on in the beginning, starting with the troll drum opening and predict where this record will go. So you have three songs, the last three songs. Okay. The middle song is June bug, right? It's a two minute long, uh, instrumental punk song and it's in between two long ass stoner like metal songs and yeah so like no no one could predict it i love it i i hate when music is really predictable there's a band on here that's very predictable that i can't stand 
that we're going to be talking about today. Um, but yeah, I just love how this album is all over the fucking place in a good way. Uh, they, they have a plan when they were making this. Uh, it's heavy as shit at points. Yeah, I know there's bangers on here. You got stoner music you got or stoner metal. You got punk on here. You got noise, all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, Jomo, what do you think of this album? Bro, um, I'm going to say this with, uh, with all due respect. Um, fuck Dave Grohl. Um, <laughs> fucking the dude. Uh, fucking. Uh, he, he, I've never got into the Melvins until this week. I, everyone always told me about the Melvins. They said you should listen to the Melvins if you like Nirvana, if you like uh, uh, Pearl Jam, if you like uh, Alice in Chains, if you like any of the huge grun- grunge name names like if you like those dudes mm-hmm. you got to get into the melvins and i said no i kind of put them off as soon as i saw the lead singer i was like i don't like his hair um there's just something about <laughs> him i just don't like um he looks like someone i would fucking pick on right but now i regret it and it's it's to the point where i'm just like man you know i i, I fucked up man like i should have listened to this this band a long time ago buzz osborne is like legit um, mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy. Guy doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs. Um, good on him. Um, uh, I bet he's got like a hammer for a fucking dick too. You know, he's probably like the mm-hmm. coolest guy in the world with like a fucking nine inch fucking baby maker. Like the thing is like his third try, you know, it's his third leg, bro. That's what I think this guy is. Oh, yeah. And now I see like how crazy this fucking album was, man. It is just out there. It, I wouldn't say it's avant-garde. I think it's very experimental. Um, it's different. It's, it's a, a different type of grunge. It is grunge. Um, but they, st- they stay true to their themselves, man. It's fucking good shit right here that we actually need. And I can see why a lot of bands like Tool Nirvana, um, kind of got s- some of their influence from them. Um, I think there's one song that I just like, it blew my fucking mind listening to magic pig detective. I thought it sounded like David Fincher, like directed the whole fucking track, bro. It was just like, yeah. I was like, is someone yeah. some going to get murdered to this? Or are we going to kill Marla Singer? What's going on? Um, I, I think th- this is by far like um, the biggest mistake I've made with music is not listening to Melvins at all. And, and now I'm going to have to put them on the rotation, which solely consists of Rush. All right. Um, I, I, mm. I, I'm, I'm just fucking blasted away that I listened to the fucking album this weekend and thought, wow, man, like these guys are just creative they're out there vocals even though they're they're a little bit like fucking dive bar fucking whiskey voice like sometimes i i still think that they have more credence than the fucking other three bands we listen to so i would say 8.5 out of 10 for the week man very solid album damn nice okay and i'm gonna gonna, you guys talk a little bit i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna have a bowel syndrome (laughs) okay all right fucking jomo should we uh, keep doing the episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. With, uh, continue. Continue. Okay. Jomo, are you in the bathroom? I'm about to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I agree, though. Like, one, one of the things that I have here as a point, I was like, I can't believe I've never listened to this band before. So, yeah, like I said, the Melvin discography is, is fucking whack. It's like 20 albums or whatever, 25, something insane like that. Um, so it can be daunting to to want to jump into. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, th- this record, I, I personally think there's, like, no fluff bullshit here. I will say that when uh, he was talking, Buzz was talking about uh his the, the i posted the video where he was talking about dave Grohl, and mm-hmm. he was saying that uh 
I'm trying to like word this properly. Okay, so he hasn't. So he was. He liked Scream, which was the band that Dave Grohl was in before Nirvana. Then Dave Grohl joins Scream, and I and at some point they cross paths. Now he joins Nirvana, and they become big. Then he says, "Okay, when you get that big, phones only work one way. They don't work two ways anymore." Meaning, like Dave Grohl has never contacted him again, and they stopped talking for like 10 years or whatever then they run into each other at a concert and dave Grohl exchanges numbers with him and then he says a couple days later uh buzz whatever texts dave Grohl and doesn't get a response he texts him again he doesn't get a response so he's like okay i'm gonna stop i get the hint or whatever i'm gonna stop texting the guy then uh so dave Grohl calls him and he's like hey what are you doing in a couple days i'm doing a, a show by you why don't you come by be a vip you come backstage meet everyone that was when he was playing with them crooked vultures so josh homie was in it and uh, um, uh, Paul John Paul Jones from uh, Led Zeppelin. He's like, yo, you can meet John Paul Jones from fucking Led Zeppelin. And uh, fucking Buzz is like, oh, I got, I got other plans that day. I can't, I can't make it. And uh, <laughs> and so I don't like, I, I like, I don't. I actually think that Dave Grohl is a genuinely nice guy. I really do. I do not think he's an asshole. Uh, and a bunch of people in the comments were like, fuck Dave Grohl, he's an asshole. But I don't know. I don't think that he's the dickhead. I don't know why Jomo doesn't like him, but I think he's a genuinely nice dude. He didn't have to fucking talk to the guy at all. I don't know. I don't know, but I, this dude doesn't give a fuck. But someone, like someone in the comment was saying, the comments was saying, like, just because they were both musicians and popular bands doesn't mean they were friends and doesn't mean that they, like, he had no, he didn't need to say yes to Dave Grohl just to, like, because he reached out to him, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I would have been like, fuck yeah, I'll go and get drunk with everyone, hang out. Uh, but yeah, this record fucking rules. It's great. Um, some of their other stuff I am going to uh, jump into. Let's read a couple YouTube comments. First one. Uh, oh no, sorry. There are no YouTube comments for this. They're all turned off. They're all blocked. So these are actual like lines from people's reviews of this record. Uh, first one says, pretty hit or miss. There's a lot of parts where it feels like nothing is happening. So that is, like I was saying, this is kind of polarizing in that way where some people are going to be like, eh, it's mm. the same riff played for nine minutes. Or, mm. or someone is going to say, oh, yeah, it's a whole, like, I had an acid trip during it and it was fucking great. Uh, mm. Next one says, favorite sludge metal album of all time. Uh, next says, Stoner Witch is definitely a record of two halves. Uh, next one says, Bussin' Stoner Rock, which is Gen Z shit. And then the mm. next one says, worth a listen for some nice stoner songs, but that's about all. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this, this record is fucking awesome. Uh, is there any, anything you, you want to say about this record? Well, well, just like my, my experience with stoner stuff, like I, it, it depends what mood I'm in when it comes to me. I mean, I've had both of those experiences with super stonery stuff. Sometimes I have no fucking patience for it. And yeah, sometimes it's like the more you, you play the riff, the better it sounds. So, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm into it. Whatever. Yeah, it can go either way. Yeah. Jomo, can you hear us? Okay. I say just uh, uh, do, do the next one, and uh, I'll do it first, uh, and then he can talk when he gets back. We spin. Spinning, yeah. spinning, spinning. <clears throat> okay. All right, so uh, Dinosaur Jr., let me drop the artwork. All right, Without a Sound is an 11-track record released in 1994, coming in just under 46 minutes long. Uh, it's the band's sixth Okay, it's the band's sixth uh, studio album, reaching number 44 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and contains the singles Feel the Pain and I Don't Think So. Uh, immediately following the, re the release of 1987's You're 
living all over me, a supergroup called Dinosaurs featuring ex-members of Country Joe and the Fish, Quicksilver Messenger Service, Hot Tuna, Grateful Dead, and Jefferson Airplane sued Dinosaur over the use of the name, which was the original name of Dinosaur Jr., uh, prompting the addition of the Jr. Without a sound, uh, without a sound is the first Dinosaur Jr. album to not feature Murph on drums, who was replaced by vocalist and guitarist Jay Mascus, who at this point is the only original member currently in the band. All three original members, Mascus, Murph, uh, and Lou Barlow would reunite in 2005 and are currently still playing together. Mascus later admitted that his father's death affected his writing and performance on the album, and he took three years to deliver the next Dinosaur Jr. record, 1997's Hand It Over. The cover art is a painting by former professional skateboarder Neil Blender, an early fan and friend of the band. The title comes from a lyric in the song Even You. It came so easily, I let it follow me right down, crept in close without a sound. Uh, the closing song Over Your Shoulder was frequently used in the Japanese boxing reality show Gachinko Fight Club. In February 2019, 25 years after the album's release, Over Your Shoulder unexpectedly charted at number 18 on the Billboard Japan Hot 100 based on digital streaming. The phenomenon was created, uh, excuse me, the phenomenon was credited to YouTube posting of uh, the phenomena was credited to YouTube postings of clips from the show registered as containing the song. Feel the Pain is a playable track in the video game Guitar Hero World Tour and Rock Band 2. In July 2014, Guitar World put Without a Sound in their super unknown 50 iconic albums at the fine 1994 list. In 2019, Without a Sound was reissued uh, as an expanded deluxe edition that contained bonus tracks, including a recording of a full live performance in Brixton Academy on October 8, 1994. Uh, the other albums they had, Dinosaur in 1985, You're Living all over me in 1987 bug in 1988 green mind in 1991 where you been in 1993 handed over in 97 beyond in 2007 farm in 2009 i bet on sky in 2012 give a glimpse of what you're not in 2016 and sweep it into space in 2021 rob what do you think of without a sound a uh, couple things so i uh s somebody in dinosaur junior i think taught uh uh music at our middle school in westfield i think this is like a western mass band uh yeah uh yeah so somebody taught uh mu music might have been murph and what uh yeah so this band okay yeah so um one of these dudes was also in um which i've i uh i've been jizzing over the song seer uh fucking for 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 10 years or whatever another another local fucking stoner band that i really love um and yeah like and then um lou barlow uh goes on to form sebado right because at some point um uh, he and Jay Mascus aren't getting along. Now, I saw Jay Mascus live in 2014. He was playing without a band. He was just uh, singing and playing guitar by himself. And uh, I think on some level this was impressive and people fucking loved him. But to me, it, it, he was hard to follow. Okay, so uh, I, I, think he ha I think there's a rumor that he's hard to work with. Or, or it just might be that like certain musicians, either through drugs or something else, like it's hard to communicate with them. Like this, the, I believe he was talking on stage and I couldn't uh, hear anything he was saying. And his songs didn't make much sense to me either. Like they kind of rambled on and they like, you know, the, the, the like you, you usually think of a, a song, uh, like an, a normal pop song as you, you, you take 
three or four chords, you, you put them in a sequence, you loop them in that sequence, so you hear them in the same order, like, you know, uh, repeated the same ways, uh, whatever, and then, you know, pick a different combination of those chords for the chorus, something like that. You know, that's normal pop music or whatever. This dude was not doing that. He was writing music that made perfect fucking sense to him. Uh, in, in a way, that's, like, really impressive and awesome. And also, like, as a musician myself, this type of person, like, I, I'm, I'm happy for you and your success, but this can be a fucking nightmare for me to follow you. And, I, and you know, okay, so I'm saying this, like, judgmentally or whatever, but I was this songwriter when I was 16. Like, I couldn't get anyone to join my bands because my songs made no sense because there were a, a thousand fucking things combined in a way that made perfect sense to me because I wrote the songs, so... Like, I know what comes next, but like everyone was like, okay, none of these riffs are so fucking hard that I can't play them, but I can't like follow your music because, uh, it just, uh, I don't see how this riff goes into that riff, goes into that riff, goes into that riff. And, um, I don't know. I've had that problem trying to join several bands. I've been that person. And to me, Jay Maskus is this person. I wanted to do a back-to-back -back, like comparison of Dinosaur Jr. to um, uh, uh, Sebado to, to like see how those two... Because I believe they both write music for, for Dinosaur Jr. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're just like... May, maybe Sebado was uh, Lou Barlow's chance to um, show his songwriting at all. I don't know that. Some of my friends from high school really fucking loved Sabado and uh, really, I think, really loved Dinosaur Jr. This is my first time really listening to them. I knew that Dinosaur Jr. was huge among my friends that loved grunge stuff, um, but uh, I don't know. The people t told me to listen to them, and I never fucking did until this week. Um, uh, Feel the Pain is like a song that's like awesome, but. Um, yeah, when I think of why this band was, I think this band is huge. It was not anywhere near Nirvana level, not anywhere near Nirvana level. And I think one reason is there's a little bit of that like aimlessness to it's it's not as aimless as I, as his later uh, solo stuff, but like there's a little bit of like uh, I, uh, I don't I couldn't tell you what m the hook is on most of these songs. And you know, does music have to have a hook? I mean, it doesn't. If it, if it, if it vibes well, it it doesn't have to. Um, but yeah, this this music like is awesome. It rocks. I love '90s shit. I love it for its like distortion on and off balls, and like you get a lot of that, and like feel the pain and elsewhere where like like the 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 energy, the dynamic like changes so like strongly, and I fucking feel it, and I love it. Uh, I think the vocals are not really what I'm looking for. Uh, it kind of puts me to sleep. Uh, it's it's not that he's a horrible vocalist he isn't but you know uh when i think when i think of reasons why this band wasn't as big as nirvana it's like nirvana had nirvana could sound so fucking gross and dirty and disgusting but also awesome and like totally fucking clear and like like nirvana would like mumble like the weirdest fucking lyrics that make no fucking sense but it also had a fucking hook that was clear as day and like you could have like weird like like how, how many songs like heart-shaped box use like ugly fucking chords but it's still a fucking pop song that you can play on the radio i don't know nirvana was really like a once in a lifetime once in a century band uh dinosaur jr was good but it was you know it, it to me it's a little bit unfocused 
Uh, I'm glad I checked it out, but I don't really know how to rate it. And, you know, we were talking um, throughout the week, you know, we've seen people we know wear clothing of, of this album. You know, this album was huge amongst a certain type of person, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I don't like it as much because I missed it when it was huge or uh, I don't know. It's, it's good, but like, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't really even know how to rate this. Uh, I'll give it a third place for the week. That's it. Yeah, I'm giving it third place as well. Um, I, I do think that this is a monster record. There, there's a lot of good stuff going on here, and I can see this This is actually, I believe, not their their most uh, commercially successful. I believe they had one more that was like higher up on the charts than this, which you might not figure because like, Feel the Pain has to be one of their biggest hits, if not their biggest hit. Everybody fucking knows that song. Uh, it starts this record off. Uh, I don't know if I would have had the balls to start this album off of Feel the Pain, um, uh, but it, I mean, it's it's a banger song. It's it's great. Like starting off at number one isn't going to take away from like how catchy it is. Uh, there's a great so they, there's the NPR show which NPR can go fuck itself as far as I'm concerned. But since it, <laughs> since since it yes. exists, they yes. have a show called they have uh, Tiny Desk or whatever, which a band will come in and they'll play in a room or whatever they'll strip down and they'll play five songs and they'll record it and put it on youtube uh so anyway they have one and it, it's it's good uh it's really good actually and um feel the pain you'll notice it especially in the live version but the dynamics between the verse and chorus of that song probably shouldn't work but they do and and this band plays with dynamics musically and um like uh volume wise so I was listening to this album while I was running, right? And so the the beginning of this album is not very upbeat. Uh, so out of hand, okay. So I'm, so I get to out of hand, which is the fourth song, and I'm kind of like running out of steam. I, I need something to bring me back up. Uh, like the songs are good. They're just like I. If we think about other huge grunge albums, uh, the biggest one and probably the one that if people don't love, it's because they haven't heard it enough. Is in utero. It's probably the, honestly the best. It's ugly. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's everything like all mixed into one. But it constantly like has you like moving right feel like feeling shit so anyway out of hand i'm running i'm like okay i need something like you you gotta you gotta bring me back from where we're at right now and then the song after that grab it like brings the fucking energy back so it's not that when, when i say like i wouldn't put feel the pain first it's just too big of a song where it's like you start there where do you really go from there but these guys definitely knew what they were doing with uh, the track listings because when I hear out of hand or grab it from out of hand, it's like, okay, they knew that like energy was kind of coming down and they needed to fucking bring it back. Um, and that, that's why they put the track list in this order. I, I would still rearrange it a bit, but, but whatever. Anyway, um, I do think this pretty much this entire album is awesome. Even when we talked about Stoner Wish, though, I even think that entire album is awesome. Uh, obviously two completely different fucking records, but I think they're both, great uh, i do respect this band a lot yeah so these guys at least jay mascus is from uh people are from amherst and they're from northampton so very close to uh where we're from in western mass like 20 minutes away um and then there's other people also from there and then there's another band that we're going to talk about that is, was covered by one of the bands that is also from mass so yeah, there's a lot of mass music. Massachusetts in general is very big for music. Uh, Boston has a lot of shit, hardcore stuff out there. Uh, metal, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, mass might suck balls as a state, but it musically, is, yeah, 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 musically, there's a lot of great shit that comes from it. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't think that these guys are trying to be perfect here, and that's one thing I like. We're going to talk about a record that is kind of like perfect 
but I, I kind of hate it. Like it, it doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Uh, yeah. this, but this record is like this and a stoner, Witch in in the, and uh, the Sebado record we're going to talk about, they are not like perfectly recorded records. And I, it, it doesn't matter because the quality is so fucking good and it's so entertaining that it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and nowadays all this shit can be remastered. You can put this shit to a computer and it can make it sound fucking amazing. And if it can't, you can just put, make a fucking computer do this shit. You know what I mean? It's like, if if you really wanted a better sounding album than this, a computer can just do that now. It doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, so if if you were to listen to this and say, oh, I could like I get the whole idea, but I want it recorded in whatever different way, it can fucking be done. It doesn't matter to me. I think this, but I like this being like I like humans being involved with music. Um, anyway, uh, oh, also this this and Stoner Witch are nowhere near the top of people's uh, list. If you look up best dinosaur junior albums ranked, people put this at like six. Uh, oh. uh, 1987's uh, You're Living all over me is like number one on, on most people's lists. Um, mm. But oh, yeah, so I, this is the first time I've also listened to dinosaur junior, at least like a full album, but I have thought about them. They pop up in pop culture quite a bit. Uh, so I posted a picture of Noel from uh, the great British bake off where he's wearing the sweater uh, with this character on it. Uh, so mm. I guarantee you that they get, so these guys went, I don't, I'm not going to say they went viral or whatever, but yeah. So I, I was saying that in 2019, a song from this record over your shoulder went back, went back onto the charts because of the show that it had been attached to. And I guarantee that people were Googling what the fuck is this? This is a very, like, if you see this picture, like it's probably not great art, but you you remember it from the first time you see it. And I knew when I saw him wearing it, I was like, okay, the, I I know that is the character from the the cover of the Dinosaur Junior album, the, the really famous one. Uh, anyway, so they probably got people at least asking what it was. Yeah, I'm giving this uh, number three for the week, but I think this album is really good. I think it's solid. Uh, there is there's a so I was reading like a bunch of comments. One of the songs uh, seemed like uh, the thing to do. People were saying that they, this record is too sad for them. I had mentioned that uh, Jay Mascus wrote this when his father died. This and the next album, I believe, were probably written at the same, uh, around the same time where he was, uh, his father had died. Also, uh, Murph had left the band, so he was playing drums. So he's singing, playing, playing guitar, and uh, playing drums on this album. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm fine with sad albums. We've talked about a couple sad ones before that, that um people had said you know things were sad and they didn't you know they wanted more upbeat shit or whatever i'm fine with things being sad being depressing whatever uh, it works for me there's a lot of emotions that have to be captured when they're occurring and and this is one that at least when this big moment was happening in his life he was able to create something that has gone on to like impact a lot of people in the world uh jomo what do you think of without sound uh, it's fucking it, it, this is like these guys have the energy of someone who's afflicted with several palsy bro it's fucking <laughs> it's, it's like it's like nirvana got butt fucked by weezer bro i can't take it oh, it's, God. it's, it's wow. bland it's bland spaghetti grunge um it's there's just so much they're just limited <laughs> i'm uh, thinking i'm thinking about rivers butt fucking Kirk yeah. Cobain, no, I hate you, dude. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. Nah, yeah. Now you got, now you got a Brokeback Mountain scene where he just, he doesn't even spit on his fucking dick, bro. He just shoved that bad boy in there. I'm like, I'm like, you gotta be, you gotta have some balls to take it like that, my friend. Um, oh, man, I don't know. I, I just didn't get it for this band, man. And the fact that they're from Western Mass makes it even worse, bro. It's like, I, oh. it's, it's, uh, I, I lived in Western Mass and I, I'm gonna tell you, they're, there's a lot of threes out there, females mm -hmm. that are threes okay. that think that they're okay. eights. 
Oh yeah, but yeah. that's everywhere. Yeah. There's no woman who's gonna admit that there are three. Why the fuck would they? But here's the thing: is the ones that that I met out there when I was in the dating pool, when I was vastly younger, um, they they had an inflated ego, and you're just like, you're a three, mm. you're a hard three. Now, <laughs> if 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 I get enough alcohol in my system, I can make you a six. I can yeah, make you can it. squint. I can squint. <laughs> turn off turn off the lights. That's a half point. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. So, Rod doesn't like this misogynistic <laughs> talk. I take it. <laughs> no, yeah, you live in Southern California now. Like, you can't like go back to Western Mass and be satisfied with what you see. Yeah, you've seen mm. the, the what the Beach Boys made their entire career out of. Like, uh, you've yeah. seen you've seen California uh, girls. Yeah, the California girls. You can't come back to the Westfield girls. No. <laughs> Yeah. I guess you won't have to. You're married, so whatever. But still, yeah, it is. I'm an indoor cat now who just gets milk brought in. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. I give these guys a party about milk brought in. This is bad. Three out of ten for the week. They they just didn't do it for me. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, a couple songs I want to talk about. There's a song. The second one, uh, I don't think so, which was a single. Uh, awesome song. In the chorus, he says he's okay. So the whole idea is he's broken up with this girl, and he's wondering if. He wakes up on Saturday morning and he's like, oh, I wonder if she cried about me today. Um, honestly, yeah, she probably did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I posted that video of that girl at the Taylor Swift concert calling her ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend and like singing, mm. we'll never get back together. Like that mm. is like the most cuck shit you could do to your own self. Like you're not cucking mm. the other person by singing them that. Mm. You're cucking mm. your own fucking self. Anyway. Mm. Next song, yeah, right. Uh, easily could have been a single. They they definitely could have milked this record for more singles. I think there were only two on here, right? Um, no, uh, yeah, there were two. Uh, Feel the pain, and I don't think so. But yeah, a couple more of these could have been. Get out of this could have been a, a single. Uh, Mind glow, I think could have been a single. So I don't know why they didn't, but I think there's a good chemistry on this record. I think it works. Uh, I don't know how much chemistry there needs to be. There's only two people. It's not like there's 15 people working together on this. But uh, yeah, it works. It it it, it it's a famous record, um, and yeah, I like it. Uh, let's read some YouTube comments first. Uh, it takes me back to an age when it came out. Walkmans were all the rage, and you could just walk around the world. You, excuse me. It, uh, Walkmans were all the rage, and you could just watch the world around you with your own personal soundtrack. Uh, spoiler alert, you can just do that now. Uh, next yeah. one. Uh, found this for a dollar at a CD exchange in 1998. Best dollar spent. Next one says, still so good. I miss I miss Jay's raspy voice. Next one says, so rare to find a record that every song is worth listening to. And lastly, there's no such thing as a bad Dino Jr. album. Yeah, these guys still have a huge following. Like Rob was saying, they never reached the heights of Nirvana. They did tour with them. Uh, at points in their career uh, and they were huge i mean everybody knows the fucking song uh feel the pain like i was saying but yeah i don't think i don't know what other, what band reached nirvana status in the 90s anyway is there anything that anyone wa- yeah yeah nobody did uh is there anything that anyone wants to say about dinosaur jr no okay yeah they, right, they, we, we, these dudes oh, sound like up? these dudes sound like they fucking eat lunchables for breakfast bro it's like <laughs> dino jr like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I see that. <laughs> All right, let's spin the wheel. I hate you, Jamal. Yeah. Yeah, I hate <laughs> me too, bro. <laughs> okay, landed on Screaming Trees. Let me drag this artwork over. I'm going to wager that this is the one that we all hate. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that I fucking hate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me too. 
All right, uh, Sweet Oblivion is an 11-track record released in 1992, coming in just over 46 minutes long. It's the band's sixth studio album, reaching number 141 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. It contains the singles Nearly Lost You, Dollar Bill, uh, Shadow of the Season, and Butterfly. It quickly became the band's best-selling record and was the closest they ever came to achieving mainstream success. Sweet Oblivion sold in excess of 300,000 copies. Uh, on the strength of of their biggest hit, Nearly Lost You, the song benefited from an appearance on the 1992 uh, film Singles Original Motion Picture Soundtrack and became an MTV and alternative radio hit. Around the time for recording, uh, excuse me, around the time of the recording of the album, the band's original drummer Mick Pickerel left to pursue other musical interests and was replaced with Barrett uh, Martin. The band supported Sweet Oblivion with a year-long tour. They were chosen by Kurt Cobain to appear at multiple festivals in 1992, which Nirvana headlined. While on tour, tension developed among the members, and afterwards, the group took an extended hiatus. During that time, uh, Lanigan, uh, who is the uh, the lead singer, Mark Lanigan, uh, recorded his second solo album, 1994's Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. The following year, he was featured as a guest vocalist in the Barrett Martin side project, Mad Season, along Lane Staley and Mike McCready. Uh, mm-hmm. Lanigan co-wrote and sang on two songs. Nearly four years passed in between Sweet Oblivion and the band's follow-up album, 1996 Dust, a move that much hurt. Excuse me, a move that hurt much of Screaming Tree's commercial momentum. Frontman Mark Lanigan died on February 22nd, 2022, in his home in Killarney, uh, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Other albums by the band they had Clairvoyance in 1986, Even If and Especially When in 1987, uh, Invisible Lantern in 1988, Buzz Factory in 1989. Uncle Anesthesia Anesthesia in 1991, Dust in 1996, and Last Words, the final recordings in 2011. Okay. So, okay, I've heard a couple of these songs by this band over the years. Wikipedia says that the Screaming Trees became known as one of the pioneers of grunge. So I said in the beginning of this episode, I don't know where these bands are following when we're listening to them at this point in their career. Um, but they're definitely rope. These, this was, so the grunge umbrella uh, kind of stretches out a bit further than it should. There are bands who get pulled into it that were not grunge bands. Some of them are just because of where they started from. And some of them like, like this album, I don't know if it's a grunge record. I don't at this point, like, when I'm listening to this, I'm like, I don't even know what grunge is anymore. Like what the fuck mm-hmm. is it? I don't know. Uh, so like Allison Chains is considered by many people to be a grunge band. That is wrong. They are not. They, that is because of where they started from Seattle, um, like Nirvana. Uh, but uh, bands get pulled into it that weren't necessarily uh, grunge bands. Anyway, I listened to this record a few times. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. There are a couple great songs here. I'm going to isolate them. But I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm going to say that overall, this band is the Nickelback of the grunge era. <laughs> Okay. Here's, here's the I, thing. I said the same fucking thing, dude. I'll send you the. I'll send you my notes. <laughs> here's the thing, because this is how Rob described the Nickelback CD, right? Like the writing is fine, the playing is good, the recording yeah. is good. The final product yeah. is like so blah. It's like I'm listening to this, and I'm like trying to run to this. There's another one like I was running to while listening to. Um, and it's funny to me that like in the '90s, the stuff that was so famous, like okay, In Utero, right? When that first the, when 
when that album first released, the, the record company said it was unlistenable. So mm. it, it was this ugly, like it is, it's, it's one of my favorite records ever, but it is ugly as fuck. And it's, it's supposed to be. And so you have, it's, it's hilarious to me that the, the stuff that people were writing like this, which is the radio friendly stuff, wasn't mm. nearly as big as the ugly, gross, disgusting shit that like was, was really popular. The one exception is probably Pearl Jam. They were writing more of the you know i don't know prettier radio shit that people the stuff that could get there they they had like black and stuff like that that could get onto the radio mm. but for the most part when i when i hear this record it's like yeah I, so they, they they were getting the fights on tour and i was thinking it's like if you were playing with grunge bands like nirvana or, and somebody not a grunge band but like alice in chains and you showed up with this record yeah like i'd be embarrassed bro and mm. and yeah i could see it starting fights with people in the band i also cannot picture this band opening up for nirvana and i can't mm. picture kirk Cobain listening to this and being like mm. That's the band. That's the fucking mm. band to open for us. I, I don't know how these guys got picked to do that. Anyway, they chose the right singles, and I think that those singles could, got them as far as they could really go. There's one mm. hidden banger on this uh, album, Trouble Times, that also they could have had as, as a single because they did Butterfly, and like when I hear that song, okay... I, I, okay, so there's a, so nearly lost you. I was I was upstairs with Becca, and I'm playing I'm playing the CD because I was like, yo, this CD's boring as shit, right? And uh, so Becca hates Pearl Jam, and when I played mm. Nearly Lost You, she's like, first of all, the song fucking bores me to tears, but Becca says it sounds like Pearl Jam. Excuse me, it, it sound yeah, she said it sounds like Pearl Jam, uh, but worse. So it's like she already <laughs> hates fucking Pearl Jam. So this is like even lower than that. And so, okay, I'm going to be real with you. There are three bangers on this album. Okay, Shadow of the Season, legit great fucking song. And it, it's the first song on the album. It's pretty much perfect. It, sh it should have been the lead single. It was like the third single or something. Uh, Troubled Times, I'm, I'm also awarding that song like banger. Fucking good. And then the last song on this album, Julie Paradise, I'm not going to say it's a banger, but like it's, it's a good song. Now, take this album and rearrange it into a three-song EP and I'll say you have a great selection of music. The other stuff mm. in here is so fucking blah. Like I'm trying. Like here's the notes <laughs> I have. Like okay, for celebrations past, my note boring as fuck. Next, the secret kind, my note boring as fuck. Okay, dollar bill, my note. I already fell asleep five seconds into the song. Mm. So there's just something. Like, yeah, everything here is fine. It's just like the the full product is like, it's I don't know. It's so fucking boring. There's a song more or less my note like everything's competent it makes me feel nothing i get what they're going for but it, it's not it's not hitting for me and also whoever's playing lead guitar on this album they're giving kirk hammett a run for his money with the fucking wah pedal like yo chill it down uh rob what do you think of the screaming trees <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna add that uh there are parts of the album where like the bass is uh clashing with the guitar i mean like uh yeah there's some pretty fucking rough moments mostly i'm glad that uh to, to me it's like a gift from god that mark lanigan got uh, chances to work with other people you were saying he was on the the mad season album i forget yeah. about that album sometimes because i listen to it quite a bit uh you know i, I like allison chains more but more lane staley is fucking you know signed me up um and uh yeah uh songs for the deaf uh that 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 dude did an awesome job i'm glad that he got to work with other people because uh you know he said he sounds fucking good on songs for the deaf uh so i don't know uh rest in peace yeah fuck the screaming trees this 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 album sucks
yeah, it does. Like, Jesus. So they they have a song in this album called No One Knows. So we brought up so Josh Homme, okay, one thing I was going to say in the beginning of this is that this is another group of artists um who have uh played and collaborated with like other artists that you probably wouldn't have you wouldn't have known like out the people in Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam uh, and Queens of the Stone Age. So yeah, uh, this guy Lanigan did sing on quite a few Queens of the Stone Age albums. Anyway, they have a song on this album that is called No One Knows. And here's what I want to say about the song. Every time a song comes out with the same name, that's a billion times better than the previous one written with that name. It should fucking erase it. Josh Homme not only would have written an absolute timeless banger, but he also would have rid planet Earth from this fucking song existing. <laughs> like, I, I would that that's how the world worked. Anyway, Jomo, what do you think of this record? Dude, um, I don't feel anything remotely good about this record it's the fucking nice. what is really offensive is the fucking guitar solos and how atrocious they are yeah. I, i've never had any dick but i got a like a fucking metaphorical any dick um fucking listen <laughs> you, to you got show. a micro penis from it dude the lead yeah. singer sounds like he's fucking <laughs> chewing marble reds for breakfast bro it's like fucking like bro can you clean your throat out please before you decide to pseudo fucking belt this power ballad out like it's fucking shit <laughs> um dude i even said it i said it. i sent you guys the notes they're the equivalent of a grunge nickelback bro it's yeah. fucking yep. terrible yep um yep. but it, the dude sounds like he's strung out on heroin so i'll give him 2.5 out of 10 um i mean <laughs> it's it's better than fucking uh what is it dinosaur jr i hate you i'm joking i'm joking i fucking hate you uh, i'm joking maybe i don't know you sure you gave that album three out of ten anyways so yeah, it is you don't think it's better no, it's just your draw i'm joking i'm joking come on yo yeah. the screaming trees the screaming. Yeah, no it was that like lick my balls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the screaming, is that a reference to lord of the rings what the fuck is going on i have no idea the guy needs to just ease up on the wah pedal bro yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, we're going to talk about Sebado. Uh, Harmacy is a 19 track record released in 1996, coming in just over 50 minutes long. It's the band's sixth studio album. Oh, one thing I want to say I actually thought Jomo was going to like The Screaming Trees because some of the shit you've liked before, I would not have pictured it. <laughs> so I thought I was like, I thought it was going into a pattern. And I was like, Jomo, this is going to be his number one album of the week. Anyway. <laughs> no. Anyway, Normacy is a 19-track record released in 1996, coming just over 50 minutes long. It's the band's sixth studio album, reaching number 126 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. It contains the singles Beauty of the Ride and Ocean. Harmacy is the second and final Sebado album to feature drummer Bob Fay, who replaced founding member Eric Gaffney in 1994. Uh, as with its predecessor, 1994's Bake Sale, the songwriting was handled primarily by Jason Lowenstein and founding member Lou Barlow, with Fay contributing one track and a cover of I Smell a Rap by American hard rock band The Bags. Their cover was featured on the soundtrack of the 1998 uh, American comedy thriller film Homegrown. Solo acoustic versions of On Fire and Willing to Wait were released prior to the album's release. Like Bake Sale, the album was relatively polished production and featured uh, pervasive use of electric guitars and longer song structures, making a clear departure from their lo-fi, often acoustic earlier albums like 1991's Sebado 3. Released in the wake of Barlow's top 40 hit natural one with his band the folk implosion harmacy became sebado's first charting album in the u.s expanding on the 
the success of Bake Sale and yielding the one-hit Ocean. Uh, the album was supposed to be reissued in 2011 along with Bake Sale, but, was, but never was. In a 2012 interview with uh, Blurred Vision, excuse me, with Blurred Visionary, Barlow explained, they wanted me to reissue Harmacy and I absolutely didn't want to pursue it at all. I just can't get excited about that record. I think anyone can find it and I don't know uh, how we could improve on it unless we included the B-sides from that time. But the B-sides we did from that time, I don't think that they were that great. The cover artwork features a photograph of a pharmacy <clears throat> in Keschel, Ireland, taken on tour. The Missing P gave the album its title. <clears throat> Uh, other albums from this band in 1989 they had the freed man in 1990 they had weed Forreston in 1990 they had 703 in 1993 they had bubble and scrape 94 they had bake sale 99 they had the Sebado. Uh, 2013 they had defend yourself in 2019 they had act surprised uh rob what do you think of harmacy uh so i wanted to uh contrast this one with uh uh dinosaur jr because lou barlow was in both of them um, so like, I, th this album reminds me of other bands that I love. I don't, I don't love this album and I never, I never loved Sebado. Like I, I know I have friends who fucking loved Sebado. My complaints about Sebado are the songs where the vocals follow the guitar way too closely and the song, the songs where like, uh, dude picks like a, a really weird scale to write his guitar parts in and then like his vocal scale like he only has like two or three notes that he can hit to like make it fit that song uh, so like you have a really unique song as a result of that but it's a unique song that I'd skip I mean it's 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 uh, I don't know so like I get both of those on this album. I kind of knew that this would be here, but uh, I fucking love On Fire, and I always have. Uh, uh, yeah, and I love... One, there's a couple things I love about it. Uh, I love the guitars. I love uh, you know I love the lyrics, um, and um, I love the drum progressions. Like the drummer plays a few different progressions. Uh, like, I, and to me, there's something about... I, I, you, you you hear more from metal bands like uh, uh like Killswitch Engage does a lot with drum progressions you know you know take one riff but play it you know play it in double time play it in half time like the like playing with the drum progressions is like half of the like w half of the excitement of Killswitch Engage or at least in my opinion it was but anyways hearing it from like a, a softer acoustic band was uh refreshing and then like I forgot how much I love that shit but yeah like the reason I love like. I, I sometimes loved listening to this band this week because I, I, I remember how many shows I went to in between like the year 2000 and the year 2006, I don't know, whatever. I went to a lot of shows in Northampton and, and so on that were like, it could be at a coffee shop, like for example, Fire and Water in, North in Northampton. Um, so it's, it's, not it's not a place known for its like rock music, but you hear these bands like uh, Sebado style where it's like, uh, it's, it's acoustic, it's kind of different, it's kind of in like, I don't like I have so many good memories of of those of shows like that. Uh my guitar teacher Mark Schwaber, he played a bunch uh solo and with his band Hospital and uh I just I have so many fucking good memories, you know, drummers that played with hot rods and or or brushes or fucking whatever and uh vocal harmonies and um 
you know, I listened to a lot of punk rock, which was all like bar chords, just like, you know, power chords, like up and down. Uh, but the, these dudes were playing um, acoustic songs with like all these crazy chords, just fucking everything under the sun. And they were making it work somehow. There was something like I, I, I loved distortion and what neurosis could do with a distorted guitar. And this was something else. This was like... Uh, using the entire guitar in, in weird chords that, you know, uh, th there was something about turning the distortion off. You get a totally different, I don't know. I, I, I at, at the time, I remember, like, not really being sure which one I wanted to do, or, or I was interested in both of them is really what it was, or I was interested in multiple things. I was in a band, uh, Run Far Tonight. Uh, you know, we, we would... We would play like metal shows, basically, like turn the distortion up and we'd take those songs and we'd also, you know, do do like a cafe version of it. You know, I'm not saying we're the first ones to do it. We were copying Nirvana in, in, in bands like that, you know, like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, they did their um, unplugged um, uh, versions and it's like. I think we all agreed Nirvana did it best where like they didn't play smells like teen spirit um uh f f fucking acoustically but but you know so they they like half of the success of that um or, you know a big part of their success of 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 how good Nirvana's fucking unplugged album is is choosing the right songs and so I don't know there was something awesome and powerful about like a band that could um be both I think there's some of that in Sebado. Like, there's some of these songs are played with sticks and, like, yeah, Prin Princess. Uh, that song is a certain fucking way, you know, love it, hate it, whatever. At the end, when the distortion comes on and it's like the song is like doubly as loud as the like the entire song so far. Like, I get us like that's why I fucking love the '90s. Like, I, the, the the distortion on off dynamic thing. Like, there's something about that that I just. Uh, th that's home fucking base for me, but yeah. And then, uh, like on fire into princess, you, you got, you, is, is this band an acoustic band? Is this band a fucking rock band? Uh, I, I have so many good memories of these bands that could do both. And, um, I don't know. I don't love this album, but it, it gave me a lot of good memories of other things that I do like. So I don't know. Second place for the week. That's it. Yeah. Not, not playing your biggest hit acoustically because it does wouldn't translate property properly mm. is like the biggest big dick energy you could have mm. uh mm. everybody else would be like we're shoehorning it in because it's our biggest hit of all fucking time nirvana's like no mm. it, fuck it it's out um yeah, also yeah when bands play with drum uh progressions yo i come that's one of my favorite things i've brought it mm. up a bunch of times yeah. before i fucking love it i like mm. this album a lot i'm actually giving it number one for the week uh mm. and it's okay when i look at this album it's funny how things like this happen so they're on tour they walk by this pharmacy it's missing the p uh so from that they're like okay we're, we'll i like that we'll take a picture uh we'll call, call this cd pharmacy because when i first was listening to this and i was looking at this picture it's like before i realized they had taken the picture first uh which is really the only way this would work unless you were like hey can you pull the p off of your fucking establishment um what was i gonna say about it anyway uh, <laughs> yeah sorry i'm gay now um <laughs> I don't know if I can remember. Anyway, it's just a cool thing where it, they're on tour. It, this presented itself. They took a picture. They named it after it. It's awesome. I fucking love it. I think that this record is just fun overall. When I think of the Screaming Trees, that album is not fun. There's like three great good songs. There's, there's two great songs and like one good song. And then the rest of it is like boring. 
but these guys know how to make music entertaining. Uh, mm. So if there's a couple songs in here that I was like, okay, if the Screaming Trees had written this, it'd be boring as hell. Uh, mm. Anyway, I, so when I listen to this, though, I get a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but I get Nirvana feeling and Dave Grohl feeling at different points of this album. I'm not saying mm. they're, so, well, for one of them. Okay, so uh, there's a song in here, Nothing Like You. I don't know what happened with so many bands in the 90s, but it seems like everyone took a riff from Nevermind or In Utero and ripped it the fuck off. Uh, so if you listen to that, there's a song, the Heart Shape Box riff, is it, it starts the song off. Um, anyway, it's still a great song, one of the best on the album. Um, but yeah, it just seems like everybody fucking did that. Uh, so Lou Barlow is also in a band called the folk, the folk Implosion, which I brought up earlier. It, they're great. There's a couple, they, they've been doing live there are live recordings from them uh, that are recent and they're really good. Uh, so yeah, you brought up on fire. One of the best songs of the entire week. I could listen to it on repeat forever. There's a song on here, mind reader. One thing I love that these guys do, there's a lot of harmonic singing in here. I don't know if this, someone's like harmonizing with themselves or the two of them are singing together, uh, but it really takes the songs from like a 10 to 11. If they're that good, they just makes them even better. Uh, anyway, mind reader, great song crime. It wasn't a single. So the, the last song on this album, I smell a, a rat is the, is a, is the cover, right? So, okay. This is a band from Northampton mass that, I had never heard of uh, with members that were in bands from Amherst mass that everyone knows covering a song by a band from Lexington mass that no one's ever heard of. So dude, like the world gets so much bigger every fucking day. Whenever there was a part, there was a time when we would listen to a bunch of new bands or we would do a four split like this. And they would like give me anxiety because like I live in this very controlled bubble, right? I'm not on social media. I don't, <laughs> I don't go outside. I don't yeah. do anything. Like I don't, I don't, with the exception of talking to you guys and Becca and like shit talking on discord to other people, I don't really hang out with people. And so the mm. world is pretty small to me. And the more I see like how big the fucking world is, it gives me anxiety sometimes. And so to see mm. that, like th these are bands that were very, close to home to all of us at one point and you had one of the bands that became one of the bigger bands of the 90s this is like an offshoot of of that and then you had these guys covering a band that i don't know how big the bags i don't know anything about that band i don't know how big big they ever were but they got represented here and the song is fucking great they were like they were a punk band it's a good cover uh, but yeah the world just gets bigger to me every day and when i start seeing this and like looking into the details and stuff it's like it's crazy how how close some of this stuff is when i was thinking about i was talking to becca about I brought up Noel from the Great British Bake Off. That CD came out in what, 1994? Um, yeah. So, okay, in 1994, he, he was from, he was over in Europe, wherever. I don't know where the fuck he lived over there, but he, like he had discovered them back in the day. And that, like I, I said, like the 80s and 90s are essentially the fucking Stone Age. Uh, mm. So it, it's crazy to me that like how, how this stuff was able to spread. Oh, you know, across mm. the entire world. And it, I don't yeah. know, it's crazy. And the world, the world is gets bigger to me every day. And no, I'm not going back to social media because social media can suck my dick. Uh, Jomo, yeah. what do you think? What do you think of this record? Terrible in every, every single way. I hate you fucking so much. <laughs> I <hate you> so <laughs> much. Uh, think, uh, I'd rather listen to fucking counting crows and listen to this bullshit. And I hate counting that crows. Nice. With a fucking passion. Um, God damn it, dude! Like uh, the fact that I had to listen to this, sh and they're from Nor they're from Northampton. That's what yeah. bothers me mm -hmm. the most is that they're from mm. fucking the 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 place which has the tunnel bar, which smells like bo and is hot as shit <laughs> mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, the toasted <laughs> owl, where all the lesbians and fucking dykes are always at, annoying the fuck mm -hmm. out of me. Um, mm -hmm. 
it, Rob, goddammit, uh-huh. Um, just, <laughs> just listen to this, all right? I fucking hate Northampton. It's it's not okay. a good yeah, place. Okay. It's not a good place. Yeah, okay. Right. You don't you don't have to yeah. like it. No one no one made you like it. I think we should get rid of it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love right. Northampton. Yeah, Northampton's right. legit. Out right. of all the places you could hate in mass, Northampton's probably not one of them. I I've yeah. I, I'd, man, fuck you too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <All> right. <laughs> anyway, there's a song on your ocean which is like the big hit, and the song is so corny, but like I think I love it. Uh, it fits this like weird, wacky, light uh, sound that these guys have on this record. Um, then they have like Hillbilly 2, that's instrumental, which is good. Uh, Zoned Out is a great song that it's, I, I'm, I'm also considering that like hidden banger. Great song that probably no one has ever heard. Um, and then there's a song in here, Too Pure, where I'm just thinking like these guys can do no wrong to me. I think this record is really good. I think it's bloated song-wise. It does have 19 songs. All of these records in general were a bit longer than I wanted them to be. This is over 50 minutes. Most of them, I believe, were between 40 and 50 minutes long. I think The Screaming Trees might have been the <laughs> longest one. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, these guys deserve way more fame than they ever got. I don't know how famous they got, but I, I don't think I've ever heard of this band before. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm giving this number one for the week. I love this album. It, it's fun. That's the thing. If you go from Screaming Trees to this, it's such a relief because it's fucking yeah. fun. Yeah. All right, let's read a couple of YouTube right. comments. First, uh, such an underrated band. Next one says, waking up to Ocean on My Alarm as a 17-year-old and heading off to school, life was it never so good? Next comment. I have a soft spot for Harmacy and the album before it bake sale. Shit, I like them all. Next one says, I wish I could sing like Lou. And lastly, <clears throat> I never cared for this album. Could not get into them. My favorite albums are Freed, Weed, and Bake Sale with special mention to three. Is there anything that anyone else wants to say about Subido? Trash. No. <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap it up, hang on. I forgot to read the YouTube comments for the for the screaming trees. Can I just read them now and you just cut oh, them in, Joe? Just fucking yeah. do it, do it, buddy. Okay. I'm very fine. Uh, first comment. Uh, can't believe I never came back after all this time to finally listen to this in its entirety. Well, here it goes. Next one says screaming trees were cool because they had a fat guy in the band. Next one says first band I ever saw live when they and uh, when they opened up for Pearl Jam, one of my favorite days ever. Next comment. Wow, I forgot how much of this album rules. Takes me back. And lastly, Uncle Anesthesia and Sweet Oblivion are albums that you have to listen to a couple hundred times to get it. But once you do, no. you're hooked for life. Where's no. the fail horn? Where's the fail horn? Hey, just use it. Where's the fail horn? I don't know. Where is it? Is it this one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I will not be listening to this album several hundred times to get it. Oh, no. Yeah. I fucked this album. Okay. Fuck uh, what do we? What do we listen to next week? We're going to do something Japanese. Okay. The pillows. Huh? I don't know. All right. Well, it'll be it'll be a Japanese compilation. How about that? Okay. okay. Sounds good. All right. Sounds okay. good. Take care. Take care.